you don't know when will your death come. You don't know how exactly the, you know, the karmic laws work. You don't know how many thousands of lives you still have to go through because you did I don't know what in another life before. You just don't know all of these things. But that somehow living in that mystery allows you to appreciate the now and allows you to just to breathe now and to enjoy that breath. Hello and welcome. You are listening to A Walk in the Heart, a podcast about Tantra, psychology and spirituality. Join us as we explore what spiritual wisdom can offer to people like you and me. Thank you for being here. Welcome everyone. Today we will have a little series on uh, basically the meaning of life and we want to tackle a little bit this question of um, why do bad things happen to good people? Because that seems to be something that um, yeah, people that maybe have a bit of a hard time with spirituality, they, they tend to sort of wrestle with that question. So we want to give our little two cents about this. It would be awesome if you can like and subscribe and leave a little um, five-star review and all the good things that you can do on your podcast provider or on iTunes. Um, or if you're listening to this on YouTube, then please subscribe, give us a thumbs up and all of that good stuff. It will A, delight us greatly and uh, inspire us to keep going with what we're doing. And um, of course, also, the greater the audience, the more we will, of course, take time and feel inclined to do more of these kind of episodes. So now let's get to it. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome to a new episode of A Walk in the Heart, our sweet podcast on spirituality, psychology and Tantra, of course, all the stuff that we both love. I'm here today with my co-host Uriel Yarif and I'm Maria Blandin-Wegener. Um, we are both yoga teachers, Tantra teachers, spiritual teachers, uh, yoga practitioners, praying practitioners, <laughs> all sorts of practitioners, and we are also both psychologists. And we also like to talk a lot, so we do podcasts sometimes. And today we have a big one, sort of, and I don't even know how we will sort of squeeze it into one episode. But what we will simply do, um, which has been done also in the old scriptures, is we will just not necessarily attempt to answer the actual question. And um, basically what we want to, um, yeah, what we want to tap into today, as you already heard in the intro, is we want to, yeah, we want to put some light on one particular essential aspect of the big question around the meaning of life, which you could look at the meaning of life sort of like, okay, you know, what, what will I do with my life? What will I work? Will I have children or not? You know, is spirituality something that is important to me? And the alike. But then there's a whole um, philosophical aspect, let's say, of this question of the meaning of life. And it, it is something that we find in the old scriptures, especially in the Bible. And of course, it has been something that um, people have been thinking about. Because, you know, once you're here, 
and you do nice stuff on this planet, you want to know if it's just all worthwhile. So the big question that we are asking is, why do bad things happen to good people? Um, you know, why does the world from some perspectives just look so cruel, so arbitrary, so random? And we will find um, both in the Eastern and Western, Western scriptures that that has been well thought through already. And yeah, we'll just play with it a bit in a, in a modern sense. What's your first just impression of the overall subject? What do you want to throw in? Well, the importance of putting the question, first of all, it is absolutely necessary to put the question, because if we doubt that the universe is righteous, that there is righteousness in the universe. And justice, yeah. Well, if, if the universe is not just and I'm a part of the universe, well, I am also. Why should I be just? Why should humanity be just? And then if we don't believe that the universe has a morality, yeah, because this a lot of people, especially the last two centuries, they doubt that, that the universe itself has a morality, and therefore... You're saying... You're saying is moral or not, yeah? Yeah. Mm -hmm. is the, maybe the universe is not moral, then also me and also humanity, why should we be moral? We should just get along a little bit, so, uh, you know, just for, for functional reasons, but um, life is devoid, like you say, of meaning. And we all, let's say, play on this spectrum do we believe the universe is righteous and moral or not? We are like 10% uh, we believe it, 90% we believe it, 40% we believe it, 60% we believe it. And as long as we have doubt that the universe is righteous, then also our engagement in our own righteousness, in our own virtue, will be tainted. We will not put our energy there. But if we wrestle enough with this question, which we are starting to do today, if we wrestle enough with this question fully and deeply and with heart and with great clarity, I believe that we will discover that the universe is utterly and perfectly righteous. <laughs> You're making a big uh, promise. I make a big promise, but that is my experience. And I suggest anyone to wrestle with this question until white smoke comes out, until you find out is the universe righteous or not. Because the gift of believing that the universe is righteous and having a great certainty in that belief, it gives us a certain or a great verticality to be righteous, to be good to be virtuous, to be selfless, to have faith, and to live in faith. You see, um, listeners, guys, people, this is why I like to, to talk to Ariel about these things, because already you made an, a very interesting point, which is very obvious, but I sort of didn't even think about it. This whole thing that, um, for me, it's like, well, this question is important because... I want to know the truth about the universe and mm -hmm. this is important to me. But actually this implication, which obviously it makes total sense, but I love that you underlined it so practically that this will determine how I actually act, obviously, because whatever 
I see and believe about the outside. This is the beliefs that I will also sort of measure myself by. So yeah, that makes a lot of practical sense. And yeah, you will you will find that in in several podcasts. I think that I'm more getting lost into philosophical things, and then you sort of ground it into some practical things. So basically, yeah, it it is important to think about this question of the meaning of life and of how the universe operates, the justice of God or of karma or whatever you want to call it. And um, basically the two big scriptures that in the little pre-talk that we had, we thought that are very important to, well, A, read if you have the nerves for it, and then um, B, mention and talk about and sort of look out for an answer in is... Um, these three books of the Bible that are uh, called the wisdom literature. Uh, actually, there's some really, really great, um, what you might call it, summaries of these books in the Bible project. We'll link it for you down because it's really, really valuable sort of to get an overview. And these three books are the Proverbs, the uh, Ecclesiastes and the Job book. And those three together, they sort of tackle for the entire Jewish and Christian community. Uh, what does it what does it mean to lead a moral life, basically? And how are you integrated in that bigger universal clockwork of things and sort of acknowledging both the seeming meaninglessness, but also the clear meaning that we do obtain from life. And then the other scripture is the uh, Mahabharata, which is somehow the 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 epic story that contains in it the very well-known Bhagavad Gita, which is sort of the, the rule book of um, uh, many Hindu lineages. <clears throat> and um, within the Mahabharata, this question is sort of implicitly um, tackled and, and wrestled with in, in this whole huge war that the heroes are going through and then all the way to their final moment of going to heaven or going to hell. So these two are sort of the background scriptures that we want to build our um, discussion on, if you will. Yes. Basically, the answers that are given, if we take the book of Job, the answer is not so explicit in the ordinary interpretation of the Bible. But as you go to the secret interpretation of the Bible, which is very profoundly and very perfectly coded in the Bible, you have it there explained. So the Bible has four levels of understanding. Um, in Hebrew, pshat for the simple, remez for the clue, drash, for a deeper anal analysis or understanding, and sod for secret. Together they make, from the first letter of each of each one of them, pardes, which is an orchard, but also the word for paradise. Somehow it, it has the same root. Like paradise, pardes. Pardes and paradise, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a Babylonian word, I think, uh, originally uh, paradise. Foradis or something, it starts with that and Pardes. In any case, in the deep interpretation of the book of Job that can be found in a wonderful scripture from the 11th or 12th century by the great uh, Rabbi Abraham ben David, 
if you want it in English pronunciation, Abraham Ben David. I'm not sure you find him on the internet, but the book, at least in Hebrew, is available today. And he, he explains very well what happened underneath the surface in the book of Job. Because the book of Job, the way that it's written, it holds very particular numeric uh, values, very particular uh, representation of certain divine spheres that as if are played in the dialogue, but they are not. There is a whole background of what is happening in that book. Maybe let me just give like just a very, very two minutes overview. One oh, minute about, overview. about the book of Job. Yes. Yeah. So the point is Job is a really, really, really righteous man. And as the council of the spiritual beings is uh, surrounding God and they are talking how everything is going, he basically is like, look at Job. He is just the best. And then um, basically Satan, the Satan, which is the one that contradicts, he steps forward and he says, well, he's just behaving well because you give him so much good stuff. Yes, God tells it to Satan deliberately. He asks yeah, Satan, yeah, yeah. where are you? Where have you been? And he says, walking back and fro on the earth. And then he <laughs> says, Satan, have you seen Job? How righteous he is. He, he teases him. Uh-huh. And then Satan is like, ah, you forget about it. It's just because you bestow so many great things. Of course, he has amazing family, has lots of goods and wealth. And lots he, of camels. Lots of camels, all the good stuff that you needed those days. And of course, he's, you know, praising you. What? So God is like, okay, do as you do to him as you please. And we'll see. But do not touch his body. Do not touch his that body. That was his first command. Even though he will actually get also sick. That's the second that. time. Ah, yeah, okay, I see. But I don't want it to give up so much detail, you know. Essential. Yeah, just uh, you can go and read it because that Mm -hmm. would be that would be nice. But just the point is, do as you will. Uh, Satan takes all the good things from him. The family dies. The crops burn down. Everything happens horribly. He also gets sick. Everything, and he's just he keeps praying and he keeps um, sort of praising God in the way that God sort of anticipated at first. But he does at one point break down and is basically questioning um, the righteousness of God. And he's like, but I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not a sinner. Why am I being punished so severely? And then it's basically, it's just the two first chapters of the book that that describe all the story that we just said. And then it's this massive part of just basically philosophy between the so-called friends and Job. And they go back and forth. And it's a little bit like a judge, judge, um, how you call that? Like a courtroom situation. And they go back and forth. And the friends keep saying, no, but you must have done something wrong because God is just. And, you know, that's just how it is. And he keeps pleading like, no, really, nothing. And then basically in the final chapter, God is answering to all the different philosophical arguments that the friends brought forth. And he's basically just putting Job into this massive state of revelation and samadhi and showing him all the worlds and all the different things that um, he's taking care of and the feeding hours of the turtles and all the different things that um, cannot even possibly be fathomed by a human mind. And somewhat, on some level, the book doesn't answer why do bad things happen to good people, but it does sort of give this universal view of, well, you know, even if you would know why, you wouldn't get it because it's sort of beyond the human mind and the human experience. But now I'm very curious about this. Uh, the secret, secret interpretation. Yeah, you somehow you somehow mentioned it because I've already we already had this discussion before. Mm-hmm. So 
chapter one to maybe three the story and then about 35 chapters of the discussion yeah. Elipaz the Yamanite and others they speak to him and then God appears the last uh, from chapter 38 39 until the end the last five six chapters God appears to somehow call make off the discussion make Guys, a point he says down. all you friends of Job's you are completely wrong Job you are oh, yeah, very, that's a big important point actually you're very right mm-hmm and then he answers and he says and job says to god why have you done this to me and god gives a long speech there in the last three chapters from 38 to 42 he gives a long speech in which he says where have you been where i've created the earth where i put a green line around everything where i created this animal and that animal where i created the weeds where i created the lights and the stars where have you been and that apparently like god is like who are you in the explicit test text in the pshat in the simple explicit text but in the deep interpretation in the sod in the secret aspect of that chapter it is aligned exactly in 50 verses 50 verses which represent the 50 gateways of sacredness. Nun, it is called in, in Hebrew. The 50 gates of entering into sacredness. Again in Hebrew. And he is basically describing to him or showing to him the universal unfoldment of the universe. How he created everything. God takes the consciousness of Job and shows him, look, this is how I see the universe. You see, there was nothing. And then from nothing I created something. And I created a limit. And I defined from the undefinable. And I created planets and stars and space and time up to living creatures. Come, my child, let me show you how I see things. And somehow what happened is that Job, being very righteous was ready to rise to a very high level of consciousness, a godlike level of consciousness. But in order to, to do that, he needed to pass a final test. And who is the one who is testing? It is Satan. So for Job to rise to this godlike level of consciousness, he had to be uh, purged of his human attachments and every time something would be taken away from him he said naked I came to this earth naked I will leave from it God has given God has taken be the name of God blessed so he was able to detach from the world he was purged from his worldly attachment and then purged from his self-importance purged from his health purged from his attachments to the body, the spirit remained free from human attachments and then it could rise to a godlike consciousness. It was essentially a gift, a very terrible form of a gift, as is the gift of Jesus Christ. For Christ to create this miracle, to become the way, that he is so that you can eat his flesh and drink his blood and become godlike become forgiven 
he needed to be purged or somehow purging the entire humanity through his suffering so Christ was righteous and Christ was crucified apparently unrighteously but this was a glorious process in which an innocent lamb was uplifted or returned to a godlike stake and the entire humanity now has this portal accessible and so did Job not to that proportion not at all but he was rising from the human to the godly through very very intense suffering that purged him from the human yeah, and as he actually comes back from that whole experience God gives him back manifold more yeah. of what he had twice and then it's like always the question well you know it's like is, is that like a reward because Job did good and somehow if you look at the wisdom literature of the Bible you would sort of conclude like no it's just that's just was integrated somehow in the godly will and that's why it happened it is not necessarily that always when you do good you will have the most comfortable in the in the ego standards style of living not at all but it will be integrated it will sort of fit into the flow of things and then ah, luckily for job in the overall goodness of everything it fit that he was um, receiving all these goodness as another gift on top not because he did something specific but just because that was the right way somehow and because it wasn't necessary anymore he was purged from his attachment yeah. once you are detached all his old merits can be reactivated because he is detached he needed to detach completely he detached he saw things from god's perspective and then all his old merits were reactivated even double so that he can also enjoy life but stay godlike and what I find interesting both in this uh, idea of the book of Job and the, the idea of the story of Christ somehow as you presented it now, it's sort of, it's this um, repeated theme that you sort of need to zoom out in order to get the bigger picture, in order to even just remotely try to grasp what is happening and why is it happening, because the whole thing about meaning is always the why. And the only way you have is by zooming out and just trying to contain within your consciousness as much as you can, which is sort of quite similar to what in the yogi tradition, tantric tradition, we would call this gradual expansion of consciousness and then eventually coming to a cosmic level, which would mean that somehow our currently um, defined as limited consciousness sort of loses its little shell and returns back into the ocean of the cosmic consciousness that uh, sort of similarly in the book of Job was the one that showed look this is how we feed the turtles and this is how the crystals grow and this is all of this so it's sort of um, a, a beautiful uh, narrative to present this completely expanded consciousness which is sort of an abandoning of the egotic consciousness of the limited self-preserving kind of way of seeing ourselves to just emptying out back into the big consciousness the big principle of life if you will and somehow this reminds very much of the concept of karma from the hindu tradition which is sort of maybe um, a little less um, mysterious in 
explaining these processes. I actually love the way that the Bible deals with these things because it just puts you into this complete state of mystery. And for me, this is very, very elevating somehow and allowing me even to pop out of my limited vision of self. But then if you want to understand things a bit more, then it's quite nice to turn to the Hindu texts and to um, look especially at this whole idea of karma. And if you want to understand karma, then please go to the Bhagavad Gita and just read it and read it again and read it again and read it again and read some good commentaries um, that are well versed and, and profound. Um, and also look at, the again, the bigger picture zooming out Again, the Bhagavad Gita is, which is more of a rule book, is embedded into a huge epic narrative, which is somehow a little bit similar to how the Bible is doing things. And in order to really touch the entirety of the human being, you cannot just give them a law book, but you give them also a story and something to identify with, something like someone who's going through all this trouble. In the case of the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna, who is the hero of the book, who's trying to sort of make sense of all this, um, how things unfold in the way they do, and then also how can we actually, as Krishna then initiates him, step out of the continuous di dilemma of being human. In the case of Arjuna, he's there within this um, huge war. What was the name of that war? It has some crazy name. Well, that war, which actually was the uh, beginning of the Dark Age, as we uh, consider it in the Hindu context, the Kali Yuga, as it is called. And um, within that war, Arjuna, the great hero, was sort of forced to fight against his friends, family, people he knew, people he loved, people he learned from, and now was sort of forced to go into this bloodshed of a horrible war and uh, fight against them. Also, knowing that, well, you know, I'm Arjuna, I'm the, the greatest fighter in the world, I'm probably going to just, you know, slay them all. So it was a very, very difficult moment. And he sort of on his way, uh, you know, from the front lines to the middle of the battlefield to sort of start the war officially between the two leaders of the armies, he just broke down and just sat down and was like, no, I'm not going anywhere and I'm not doing anything until I really grasp what is happening. And basically his charioteer reveals himself to be Krishna, Krishna, Christ. There is um, a lot of considered overlap between the godliness of that specific consciousness manifesting within creation, allowing a human, many humans to understand something uh, of the godly nature within creation. And Krishna is kind enough to give this full revelation of what we call the path of karma yoga, the path of acting without getting tied into these um, uh, yeah, consequences, cause and effects and all the uh, attachments and identifications that we usually get tied in when we do stuff. Yes. And um, Krishna explains in the Gita basically through this and, and all the understandings of karma as we also find them in the Dharmapada and in, in Buddhism and uh, in other Hindu texts that um, there is universal immediate righteousness there is the immediate law and there is the law of karma with a delay so when you throw a stone up and it falls down and all the scientific laws, the speed of light and all that, that is uh, 
to quote uh, John Lennon, instant karma. (laughs) This is a a very visible, explicit, measurable law of karma. Yeah. Also, you shout and the other one shouts back. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it it is basically instantaneous. You're kind and then, you know, kind, good things happen to you. And just to to draw the, the parallel... This is very much, this idea is very much aligned to the Proverbs uh, chapter of the Bible, which basically explains to you how to live a good and wise life, to follow the lady wisdom and to, to therefore anticipate quite a good life because you make wise choices. Yeah, and you are virtuous. Yes. So this is one. There is an instantaneous physical law and a hidden law of karma which is not so visible it is your sva karma your individual karma today you killed and you stole the goods of the man that you killed today you have apparently more food more assets but the homicide that you have done is staying like a magnet in your aura in your subtle structure and that will attract very very complex violence into your being from very deep emotional violence nightmare negative thoughts all sorts of horrible things that you will feel up to a a, a certain like a pendulum you have pushed the pendulum one way and have created suffering in that person in the family of that person and so forth and you have said yes to violence and you moved the pendulum one way created an energetic pull towards the other way that will return all the suffering that one has created will return all the joy that we have created will return to us. There is um, a very, very, very complex universal mechanism, kind of universal memory stored in uh, what is called in, in Sanskrit Akasha, where each one of us has his debts to pay and his merits to receive. And that particular pendulum of karma It answers the question, why is a bad person now enjoying the fruits of the whatever the person that he killed? Because there is a delay. That bad person will, in this life, in another life, that being which is moving from one body to another, will pay in full up to the last cent everything because the universe is perfectly righteous but with a certain delay and whatever you are born with now whatever you have in your life now is a result of your past merits sins mistakes everything results in that and it is kept in a very particular mental structure which is like a magnet in your subconscious in your aura And it will immediately attract. You are violent. You will carry inside of you a horrible guilt. And as you walk into the room with this horrible guilt, people that feel it will attack you. Yeah, to, to, to just understand how this mechanism 
works. And then with very complex astrological cycles and so forth, the, the theory of karma is very, very profound and very extensive. We will not touch it now in many details, but it holds everything that you do becomes a magnet on top of you. And that magnet will attract the exact compensatory event. So there is perfect righteousness, both in Hinduism, in Buddhism, in yoga, in Tantra, in all the traditions of the East. But that justice is not instantaneous. You kill a person and immediately you die. <laughs> you donate a million dollars and immediately you get a million dollars. You love a person and immediately you're loved. No, there is a delay. So this is, this is the Eastern answer to this question. What I find interesting about this is like, just hearing it like that, you could, um, especially, you know, if you're just slightly aggravated by life already, you could come to the conclusion, well, you know, this is really cruel. This just is really cruel. It's like, okay, you know, I want to be a good person, but then I keep doing stuff that I don't know it's bad stuff. And then later on, I get punished for it. You know, and th this could be a, a way of thinking. But actually, it is a very interesting mechanism that is installed in order to allow for us to have um, what we call the free will. What you know that we have uh, a certain choice because we don't have a very full choice. And actually, my brother, I'll link it down below for you. He just wrote this uh, very interesting book about understanding the um, theory of relativity and how it sort of cre creates, mathematically speaking, uh, a necessity for um, you know like determination, basically that the whole universe is is built in a in a or sort of pre-built, sort of pre-arranged and uh, just unfolding. And we are just a witness of that unfolding. And actually, from a spiritual viewpoint, that is that is quite true also. But you still have moment by moment this free will of choosing what will you, you know, what will you sort of align your inner perspective with? In the end of the day, what spirituality says is that determ determined spiral it goes for all of us to complete freedom and complete unification back into where we came from, which is pure existence, the ocean of consciousness, God, whatever you want to call it. We are all on the way there. In Shaivism, this is usually depicted as a huge spiral that is very, very tightly knit together. And we are walking along these many, 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 many loops of spiral arms towards the center, which is where we basically the source point of where we all came from but um, as much as that is true and there's not much that we can do about it and we we just you know will one way or another return back into union with everything we might do that unconsciously or we might do that consciously and uh, still in each and every moment you have the choice of do you want to resist this movement towards union or do you want to go with it basically and then from that, you, you have this um, possibility to sort of give your opinion on what is going on. And the more your opinion aligns with, yes, 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 let's move forward. Let's go towards union, 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 then, then you will end up in union very quickly. And if you're like, no, 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 then it will be slower and slower and slower somehow. But it will still go in that direction. So somehow the spiritual... Um, cultures traditions especially from the east they will sort of have this complex um, system that explains how a determined universe predetermined universe can come together 
with our choice and with our free will somehow. And then the interesting thing is that it's not like you will not know at all what is going to happen from what you just did. This is sort of something that comes along with the ego mind that says, oh, but I cannot assume responsibility for anything I just did. Um, it's all a cruel joke and nobody told me that it's not okay to steal and to be corrupt and to gossip and be nasty to other people. Nobody told me it is normal to do that. Everybody's doing it sort of argument that the ego, ego mind will tend to have. Whereas when we actually just pay attention, the, uh, the bigger consequence of what we are doing now is, is there already as a little hashtag, as a little taster, as a little note to it, like a, you get a scent of what you just did there. If you kill someone, you will live with the scent of killing someone for your whole life. This is a very drastic example, but I think it's pretty clear for everyone that, you know, if you do an act like that, it will weigh on your heart forever and you will live with that guilt forever since the moment you did it, even though you don't kill and you die, but you kill and you will not be the same person anymore. And then, of course, maybe not as severe, but still with other vices that we, um, you know, involve into our choices, it will be the same thing. All of us know how agitating it is to carry anger and hate towards another person. We all know that. We cannot meditate straight. We, you know, we're just continuously thinking about the, the next good argument that we can bring forward to finally tell the other one why they are horrible or whatever it may be. If we you know, have jealousy fester within our being right now, we will suffer from it right now. It's not, you know, sure, then we, we do a lot of actions from there. We make a lot of choices from there. Then we are accumulating a pile of stuff that then in the delayed version of it, yeah, you'll, you'll have to pay it back later on as well. Yes, I feel this is the third point. So somehow we had as the first point that difficulties appear to righteous people to test them so they can be even more uplifted, yeah, like this. Blessed are those who are persecuted and so forth. Mm -hmm. And then the second explanation that we gave is that righteousness will come to the righteous with delay. Punishment will come to the wicked with delay. Mm. And the third explanation, and we will have to actually make a synthesis of all of them to understand. The synthesis came with a bit of a German accent. I don't know if you noticed. I noticed. You noticed. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know where it's too um, many years together. I'm acquiring your accent. The third uh, explanation, as Blandine uh, hinted, is that any sin, any act of wickedness immediately creates hell inside. When you overeat, is hell. When you overscreen, over time on screen, it's hell. When you hate, immediately the moment of hatred is, is hell. And people think, oh, Johnny came, I hate Johnny, therefore I suffer. Uh, I see Johnny, therefore I suffer. And you hate Johnny even more, because when you see him and think of him, no, but it's your own hatred that makes you suffer. And it's a very fine nuance, but mostly almost completely overlooked. People don't realize it is not Johnny that's causing you pain, but your hatred towards Johnny. Johnny is not the enemy. Hatred is the enemy. Hating is hell. Jealousy is hell. Fear is hell. All the vices, all the negative emotions, when we say yes to them, 
despair is a sin. When you say yes to that, you are immediately in this moment, in your inner world, in hell. Even if you have a very big balcony and a very big car, but you hate, you are already today instantaneously suffering. And maybe another person doesn't have a balcony and goes on the bus, but is very righteous and is very loving to the people around. And he, in, on the bus, he is in paradise on the bus. The bus is crowded, it takes longer, but that person on the bus is in paradise because he has already love in his heart. And love is the essence of righteousness. And the person in the big car that has pension and that can buy an apartment for his children and inherit and I don't know what and can travel uh, and to vacation I don't know where. He doesn't enjoy his vacation on the, be the beach as that person enjoys riding on the bus with love in their heart. Because love is far, far more fulfilling than a vacation. And hatred is far, far more tormenting than going on the bus, than having a bit of debt, than not having, I don't know what, the best of food or the biggest screen to get hooked on. So it is already now. There is an instant karma in our inner world. You have committed sin, hell begins. You have done a loving, righteous action, heaven begins. Yeah, as in this Zen story, the samurai comes to the Zen master and tells him, tell me about heaven and hell, now. And the Zen master says, you call yourself a samurai? You look like a petty pig or like a little child. You are so feeble. Your eyes are unfocused. You call yourself a samurai? I wouldn't let you clean my floor. <laughs> And the samurai lifts his sword and says, I'll kill you, you madman. And he's burning with anger and with insult. You know, a Japanese to insult a samurai that way. And the Zen master, completely serene in front of the sharp sword in front of him, says, You see, my friend, this is hell. Your hatred is hell. And then the samurai laughs and laughs and understands and he's relieved. And he falls to the feet and thanks. Falls to the feet of the master and the master says, you see, my son, this humility and wisdom, this is heaven. Yeah, so it is instantaneous. There is, on the emotional level, any righteous thought, any righteous intention, any righteous action already brings a bit of heaven inside. And any, vi any vicious thought, any vicious action already instantaneously brings hell. So these three come together. Negative stuff happened to good people to test them and to uplift them even more. There is the karma of delay. Yeah, there is a certain later you will get your reward. And on the emotional level, you have an immediate reconfiguration of the emotional structure uh, in direct proportion to your tendency towards righteousness or towards vices. It just makes me somehow realize, like in the moment now, just hearing you speak about it, um, what a 
what a sweet, graceful, kind and gentle way it is to construct the universe. It's really touching. The universe kicks <laughs> ass. Because uh, we're yes. also teaching at the moment about the great cosmic power Tara, which from the Mahavidya tradition and in Buddhism, you might know it quite well, also as Guanyin, is this uh, force of, uh, of grace. And somehow it's like it's just making me aware how the entire universe is constructed in such a way that it it always allows you to better yourself it always allows you to correct yourself and it's like if it if it would be total justice and everybody who killed someone immediately dies i mean you could say well you know wouldn't that be better you know the wicked just die on the spot and the, and the people who are nice they just say you know you, you, you as you say you donate a million dollars and then you have two million dollars wouldn't that be much better yeah, maybe, but the point is that in that scenario, you don't have the grace, you don't have the element of being allowed to correct yourself. Like in the Christian tradition, it is mentioned so often that God doesn't want the end of the sinner, but he wants the sinner to be corrected and to find the righteous way somehow. This is only possible through the delay. So as much as sometimes we think, oh, but the delay is cruel because it makes bad people be allowed to be in charge and have a lot of money and i mean look around in the world that is what is happening yeah but it gives to all the children of this universe the chance to to think again and to correct themselves and if you look somehow at, at the at the majority of uh, story plots and so on that sort of touch us then it's always that there's some sort of moment of correction where you notice oh no but i shouldn't neglect my you know my neighbors and my and my family and and it is important to love and and it is important to do something purposeful and so on and and it's only possible because we are allowed to have a bit of time and basically this is what we're here for right now you know this life is a little snippet of time in the on the forefront of the universe really a blip on the radar as actually is described in uh, ecclesiastes quite well this idea how small how meaningless we are in in front of everything but that that little blip is actually a huge chance it's like a huge gift for each and every one of us both from the perspective of karma and from the perspective of um, christian belief and from the um, buddhist perspective and so forth that just allows us to to make it count you know to make these 60 70 80 90 maybe some of you 120 years to just make them count you know to do just something really meaningful and good with it where uh you know not just outwardly you have some things that some people in society say that they are good but that actually in the depth of your being you become more peaceful because your choices reflect um let's say a more universal wisdom Yes, it is somehow this mechanism of delay, it allows the individual to assume responsibility mm -hmm. out of love and not just out of dumb obedience. It's not like, a, you know, a pigeon will click on a painting. They learn to click between Picasso and I don't know what, Monet. They will click on the Picasso so they instantaneously get the food. This is easy to do. The universe doesn't want human beings to be pigeons. If it was instantaneous gratification, you get pleasure when you do good and pain when you do bad. You would just have electrodes in your head. As soon as you do something good, you have an orgasm. And when you do something bad, you have a bad thought, you are excruciatingly in pain. Yeah, because the universe could have just done that. Yeah, then there's and no then free will. As soon as you have any kind of hate, any thought of stealing, any 
so horrible pain you would never think about it again and you have a bunch of pigeon robots that seem to manage because nobody can even consider to be Mm -hmm. in any way sinful but there is no mature soul yeah because god is like a tyrant in such a universe exactly this would be a tyrannic god you say well why doesn't just god tyrannize the universe into good (laughs) exactly because god is not a tyrant he's a loving parent that actually wants us to grow up in this process and, and to this re- realize that we are made in his image that we are his children exactly and this process and it takes many 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 lives according to the eastern tradition it takes many many life in which the soul ripens and understand and passes this odyssea until it returns to an insight now this plane of creation if we look at uh, many mystics describing other more higher planes, this plane of creation has a big delay. Mm-hmm. When you go up after this life or when you go very high in meditations, then it's very instantaneous. Yeah. <laughs> very instantaneous. One wrong move. And One wrong move. When uh, Rabbi Akiva and his students went to see the angels of God and so forth in the, uh, in the Pardes, in paradise, as it is uh, described in going down the Merkava, one of them, he mistook the tiles for water. He said, water, water. A sword came and cut his head. This is not a place for any kind of delusion. Mm. Yeah? This fits those who can rise over there. And you find this actually in many traditions. Yes. Or like to stick with the Jewish tradition, Mm. Moses hitting the stone instead Instead of talking talking to to the stone for the water to come out. That's it. You don't go into the promised land, my friend. You'll die. Yes. (laughs) What? Just touch the stone. Yep. But you're a prophet on your level, not allowed. Exactly. So as the level of consciousness rises, the responsibility that one carries rises and then the karma becomes much more instantaneous and much more um, severe in that, uh, in that levels. But for us here on earth, there is a delay. And in the delay, one can be forgiven. Yeah, one can correct. You can receive grace and you can correct yourself. And in the Christian tradition, it is said that sin is the grandfather of virtue. You make a mistake. You understand you made a mistake. You ask for forgiveness. Well, first you suffer. You suffer. (laughs) Yeah, you make a mistake. You suffer. You repent. You ask for forgiveness. You correct yourself. And you don't return to level zero from where you started. You become extremely virtuous if you do this process correctly. This is what it is about. To allow us to make mistakes so that our soul can acquire depth. And then from there to choose righteousness, 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 and to become extremely pure, living essentially, essentially from love. Because love is the protector. If one lives from real love, yeah, not lust, not infatuation, not to please others, and I don't know what you confuse love with, but the actual selfless flow of love of compassion of actual burning vivid care for others which you can't help and it's ecstatic it's fluid in your heart that kind of love will bring the righteousness and from there you plant only good seeds in your life 
as St. Augustine says it very nicely, love and do what you want and do what you will. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I feel it's like um, I just want to put this connection to the uh, Ecclesiastes because it does sort of remind me of that because it's like what we basically did so far is like already we defined that there is a just way there is a just universe but that doesn't necessarily mean that always good things happen to good people that doesn't mean that children never die and stuff like that but actually when we zoom out and we get the bigger picture bigger understanding of karma and how the universe operates then we'll you know we'll at least grasp why we don't understand at times and then as we zoom back in somehow we we are faced with well i'm still this little human being here and of course when i sit down in my meditation and then i hope that the states of my meditation will sort of spill over to the rest of my life then maybe i can touch some of these you know mysteries of god that are so difficult to understand but what I, do i do with my you know just momentary state and um, what I love about that particular book uh, in the Bible is that it sort of comes from this continuous underlining of the meaninglessness, the hevel, the the smoke, the the, the illusion of, of life that is so random. And, you know, no matter how good you are, no matter how bad you are, you will die. No matter if you pray or you don't pray, you will die and all of that. And sort of to use that as a reminder of now living in a in a wise way not because you want a reward not because you hope for the proverb you know nice ways of following lady wisdom but just because you know you don't know when will your death come you don't know how exactly the you know, the karmic laws work you don't know how many thousands of lives you still have to go through because you did i don't know what in another life before you just don't know all of these things but that somehow living in that mystery allows you to appreciate the now and allows you to just to breathe now and to enjoy that breath and to feel the sun on your skin now and to enjoy that and to give a wonderful gesture to a friend now because it touches your heart and because it, it makes you feel the goodness inside of you and the goodness within this universe. And somehow I find that such a nice practical conclusion. It's like become interested in what choices you make in this very moment and enjoy also this very moment don't make that choice because you hope for something better later on no make that choice because it is arising from the depths of your heart now because god lives in your heart now yes basically the book of kohelet ek ecclesiastes ecclesiastics in, in close yeah <laughs> close sorry enough. this is my we'll English link pronunciation. It all, uh, all down so you know also how to spell it yes so in hebrew it's called the book of kohelet uh, what it, does that mean kohelet kohelet is like a community ah yeah mm -hmm. um and it it might be king uh, salomon in the end of his life after his fall because he had a pretty massive fall in the end of his life um it might or basically what this um, this book of Kohelet of Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes <laughs> says is that 
you are putting the problem the wrong way. The whole book, 40 times repeats, vanity of vanity, hevel havalim. Hevel is like a smoke. smoke or the breath of your mouth, hevel pe. And he, he says, you are chasing wind castles, all of you. You are completely wrong. You are searching in the wrong place, which is also, this is somehow the depth of the understanding. Why we consider that bad things happen to righteous people because we don't put the problem correctly. Mm -hmm. We don't understand good and bad correctly. Mm -hmm. We don't understand the journey. It's like you enter a computer game, you enter Pac-Man and you think you are supposed to touch the ghosts and die. Not that you are <laughs> supposed to eat. This is the situation of humanity. We put the question, how to sustain the host, which is the body, the self-image, the social being. We are completely obsessed with a machine, with a car. And with the rewards also that that would bring in the social life. Yeah, for the social life, outer world the body and the social being, which is just the vehicle, the mm. car, and we have completely forgotten the driver and where this car is supposed to take us. Yeah. Our journey is not to accumulate some falafel balls or some money or to uh, accumulate some praise, which he keeps saying there that you will die, you will die, you will die, you will die. And you will die. The whole book, <laughs> it's nonsense, vanity of vanities, you will die. By the way, you will die. <laughs> in case you forgot. In case you forgot. Because none of that you will take. None of that you will take. Not even the falafel balls? Not even the falafel balls. <laughs> so you are searching and the reward is in the wrong place. You came here to find your creator. You came here to find your true nature. The book ends and he says, vanity of vanities. All of this is meaningless. Have awe in front of God. It doesn't say in Hebrew, fear God. Yareh doesn't mean fear. It means have awe in front of God and follow his commandments. Because everything else is completely rubbish. This is the entire book. So because we put the problem in the wrong way, says, oh, the rich man has a Ferrari. Ferrari is rubbish. The poor man who is righteous has peace in his heart. He has paradise inside. And when this person will die, he will go to a great heaven or he will be completely free. Righteousness will bring the great righteousness, will bring the true reward. Love for God, humility will bring inevitably the universal laws. Nothing can break them. Not even the Geneva Convention. Nothing can break them. <laughs> they are above all the human laws. If you are playing the correct game, which is the game of growing spiritually, then everything makes absolute sense. And you can see the total righteousness of everything. And if something physical is taken from you, it's not a problem. That becomes a source of spiritual growth. If somebody that you love dearly died, it's not from injustice. It is for you to grow spiritually from that, to become more loving, more humble, more wise, more caring. If you have less money, it's an opportunity for that. If you have more money, it's again an opportunity to grow spiritually. So when we put the problem correctly, 
we understand there is no problem because this game is not about social things it's not about material things it's not about praise about money it's not even about the maintenance of the body it is a certain game of the spirit that inhabits the body yeah and the way that you put it now it's sort of Uh, underlines the shift of perspective that um, well w will help answer the question but is also somehow the the overall invitation of all of these script scriptures and also what we are of course talking about now which is a, a shift away from um, sort of having something or you know considering me in in a context that I like or I don't like having certain preferences, um, having, you know, trying to chase pleasure and avoid pain and so forth, shifting to a perspective, which is a the profound starting point of a real spiritual path, which is um, the perspective of basically of knowledge, the perspective of learning, a perspective that each and everything that we face in life is actually a lesson. And it's not, you know, sometimes we, we be a little bit cynical about that. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's a bit superficial. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay, it's a lesson. I know I'm supposed to learn something from this. And also I'm just, you know, I'm dying <laughs> <Yeah>. from, <laughs> exactly. from pain and fear. And like, oh, yeah, but I think I'm going to learn something. And it's normal to be like that, you know. Don't worry about it. It's, it's part of the human experience and human lesson to somehow go through that. But eventually you come to a place where it's like, You also feel the pain of that and you also notice that there is something inside of you that might still have a preference in some direction. But also you just realize with what a generosity this lesson is offered to you and what actual diamond lies within these life lessons. Because typically this idea of a life lesson within our society is, is a little bit flat. It's a little bit like... Oh, yeah, someone died and then I learned that I missed them, which that's a great lesson. You know, don't get me wrong. That's that's a very, very wonderful starting point of a good understanding. But actually, within that grief that you're perceiving now, the universe is hiding complete liberation, complete freedom, like with each and everything that you experience and by the way not just painful things the amazing orgasm that you have there with your lover which unfortunately your ego twisted into a, a huge story of attachment that orgasm was meant for you to find god you know but then we choose because we get so identified we choose to uh, you know instead go down a path of uh, yeah sure also love but also attachment and also desires and also all of that which again will attract lessons where then we have to let go and we have to learn detachment and we have to learn to um you know release our desires and rather become interested in the needs of the soul and so forth and then also that painful thing it holds within it as a like encrypted lesson encrypted message the complete wisdom of god this is the interesting thing of how the universe is built in this holographic way which actually tantra talks about a lot the the whole system of tantra is based on this idea that everything reflects into everything else and that the creator or the essential starting point of everything is reflected into everything and therefore everything is divine everything is godly 
And yeah, that goes all the way to each and every of your silly experiences that you might have in a day. Even drinking a cup of tea can become an opening into perceiving God's benevolence, God's glory and so forth. And maybe if we have been speaking a bit in a more Christian tonality here today, you could translate that into, um, you know, it's, it's when, when we talk about the awe in front of God, that will bring about within your being all the wonderful uh, virtuous states, right? So um, the all in front of God is expressed within your being, as Uriel said, not necessarily, not necessarily as fear as sometimes it is unfortunately twisted into, but it will express within you as godly peace, godly mystery, feeling godly love, godly joy, godly ecstasy, godly uh, courage, godly regeneration and health. You know, all of this um, comes together with this um, re-establishing of the contact point with where we all came from, which we tend to call God or the Satchitananda or wherever you come from, you might call it some some way. Yes, I think we can we can move somehow to to conclude, and I just want to um, review the five points that we touched so that you can carry that with you and somehow wrestle it and speak about it further. So the first point to answer the question why bad things happen to good people is that in order for them to be tested and to rise to a higher level. The second explanation that we gave is that of karma with delay. Everything will be perfectly rewarded, perfectly proportioned, but in time with this sva karma individual karma so the third one is that you do have an instantaneous reward on the emotional level every virtuous thought will immediately create a refined paradise inside which doesn't involve a gross pleasure but a deep happiness and every vicious thought every vicious action will create immediately pain inside. And people that are vicious, that are um, angry, lustful, eat too much or whatever, they will be attracted to painkillers, be it uh, prostitutes, drugs, porn, screen. screen. Yeah, People who are like that and they're like, oh, I gain materialistically and I ignore my inner world, they will tend to numb themselves. And people who are virtuous, are humble, are loving, they will tend to enjoy a good walk by themselves because their inner world is paradisiac. A person who is violent cuts. No, I cannot stay alone with myself. You put them in meditation for an hour, they want to kill themselves because they have created such a hell inside and they use the outer world to numb themselves. Guess what happens after you die? And you don't have the material world to numb yourself. All that pain that you have accumulated, what's mm. going to happen to it? You'll be alone with it for a long time. Yeah. It's very sad, but it's important to assume responsibility on it. Try to take a week without any painkiller, screen, whatever, so that you can understand, okay, this is my inner world. With this, I come out of this world. When I don't have a body, I'll have to face all of it. So the third explanation is that there is instantaneous reward for righteousness and vicious act in the inner world the fourth explanation that we gave was 
that this is a low level of manifestation, the earth and the physical manifestation, so there is a longer delay. As we rise to higher planes, it is pretty instantaneous, and we recommend here the books of Sundar Singh's Visions from Heaven, the books of Chico Javier, all of them, but particularly No Solar, the books of Immanuel Swedenborg, of uh, Rabbi Akiva, uh, Baal Shem Tov and others that describe these higher worlds and the laws in them. And just to add that this gives the opportunity to actually rectify yourself. Yes, like this, when there is a delay, there is the possibility to, uh, to rectify ourselves. And the fifth explanation that somehow includes all of them is that we believe that right bad things happen to righteous people because we don't understand what actually has value. Vanity of vanities. This what you think that has value? A car, social status, praised by people that don't care about you, that's what matters? Views on YouTube? A position? It matters nothing. So, yeah, an evil person might receive things that are worth nothing, like money and social position, but he will never receive peace, which is what matters. He will never receive love. He will never have paradise within him. So, no, uh, it is very strong justice. Uh, uh, that was a bit Spanish or Italian. Yeah. <laughs> um, an evil person will never be able to have paradise within, and we are here to have paradise within. And a righteous person, even if outwardly doesn't have a position or praise, or I don't know what, and maybe has some financial problems, maybe he doesn't have, he will develop paradise within, because that's what happens to righteous people. So if we put the problem correctly, as the book of... Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. <laughs> shows us then we will be able to um, understand that no absolutely not righteous people are instantaneously and perfectly rewarded all the time and evil people are continuously and instantaneously punished all the time the, the once we put the problem correctly as a journey as a spiritual journey because life is a spiritual journey if we put the problem correctly then it is hundred percent the universal justice, moment by moment, done to perfection. No human justice system comes even close to that. Yeah, very nicely said. So this is where we will leave you, hopefully wrestling in your own way uh, with these ideas. Please go to the original scriptures. It's, it's always amazing to read them, to um, you know, really, really meditate upon them, contemplate them. We'll leave you all the... Um, the links and descriptions and so forth down in the text so you can you can do your own little research and feeling into it and so forth and um, yeah with this we conclude and we again invite you please be so kind leave a five-star review some um, subscriptions and likes and thumbs up and all these good things that you can do on the different providers it helps us a lot and it means a lot to us as well so that would be wonderful and um, as we are also starting to do uh, Q&A sessions within these podcasts um, you can always write to a walk in the heart at gmail.com and let us know if you're interested in some subjects if you have questions that you would like us to 
wrestle with or to answer for you would be glad to uh, give our perspective upon them also please uh, note we are not uh, religious scholars so we might sometimes make mistakes and if you find any please feel free to correct us yeah to point them out so we can also learn on our end and uh, with that being said actually today our little sign off uh, fits quite well so just to remind you first love and then do bye